Okay, you guys, here we go. She Runs Ultras episode 92. And I'm going to just apologize ahead of time. I'm battling a little bit of a scratchy throat and a stuffy nose. So full disclosure, my voice sounds a little weird. Maybe it's just me, (laughs) but it sounds a little funky. Anyway, the title of this episode is There's More Than One Way to Run an Ultra, and I firmly and 100% believe this. I've told this story before, but when I was training for my first ultra, I didn't have anyone in my immediate world that was into ultras, let alone running long distances like marathons. I was basically the outlier. You know, some people would like run at the gym or run you know, from work at lunch, but like nobody was running from their house to work like I was. (laughs) Okay. It's like 12 miles (laughs) and let alone run home. You know, when I was really at the height of some of this trailing, I would run to work and from home from work. So I didn't have anyone to ask questions of or bounce ideas off of, or just like, you know, just talk about how to do this thing. What I had was Google. (laughs) I googled the shit out of everything. And what I was really looking for as I sort of reflect on it now was the one thing, the one place where someone would give me the formula or the cheat code, if you will, to running a successful first ultra. Like I just wanted to Google it and it'd be like, here, this is precisely what you do in order to run your first ultra and have it go well. I didn't find it. (laughs) It doesn't exist. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. But what I did find was a lot of information that ultimately overwhelmed me. It stressed me out. And it stressed me out almost to the point of giving up because I couldn't make sense of how there could be so many different and conflicting opinions about how to get this one thing done. And eventually I threw up my hands and I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to just go out on my own and do, do my own thing and see what happens. And spoiler alert, I finished that first ultra, but more importantly, I learned a lot of things along the way. The most important of all is that there is no one way to run an ultra. There are a myriad of ways to get it done. You've probably heard the old adage that there's more than one way to skin a cat. I don't know where this came from. It's highly disturbing to me, but it's essentially the inspiration for this episode because I do get a lot of DMs and a lot of questions, a lot of emails about people saying, okay, well, how do I do this? And it's not as simple as one cut and dry answer. We really have to sort of dig in and figure out what you have been doing, what's working, what's not working. There's no one way to get it done. Now, you might be thinking that since I've run all these races, everything from a 50K all the way up to 200 miles, that I would have this figured out (laughs) and that I would inherently just know how to train for anything at the drop of a hat. And the answer to that is no, (laughs) okay? Because when I got into Tahoe 200, I had no freaking clue how to train for 200 miles. Like, you don't know what you don't know. And I think this is true of anyone that is leveling up to the next distance. Like I said, you don't know what you don't know. And it's only natural that you go looking for help 
for some resources from someone else who's done it before in order to wrap your brain around what you're trying to do. So once again, I hit up Google to see what it had to offer in terms of training for 200 miles. And I'll be honest, there is not a lot out there about 200 milers. But what I did find was a lot of firsthand experiences, sort of race reports, which I don't typically read because they are so subjective, but it was really all that was out there. So I started to just read a bunch of them and I started to get a sense for, okay, there's some general themes here. And as long as I stick to those general themes, then I'm good to go. Like I know the I know the process. I know the rules about training. I I understand how to do this. I was just really, again, sort of hoping for someone to say, here, here's how you do it. (laughs) Okay. So just because you figure this out once doesn't necessarily mean that you won't attempt to revert back to your old ways of Googling or doing whatever it is that you do to try to solve for the gap the next time around. But What I want to share with you here is that it's possible to do the thing without knowing how to do the thing. So what I had to do was just trust myself, trust in the process of training, um, and trust in the, like the bank of knowledge that I had built up over the last eight years and just get down to business. And if you're new here, spoiler alert, I finished, I finished the Tahoe 200. You can actually go back to episode 82 and listen to that full recap. But what I want to share with you today is the idea, well, it's actually really two ideas. The first is that you don't have to know what you're doing in order to get started. Okay. And the second one is that there's no one right way to train for your first 50K. Now, this rule, this statement also applies to your first 50K, your first 100K, your first 100 miles, your first 200 miler. Like the next, every time you level up, just know that you don't have to know what you're doing in order to get started and that there's no one right way to get it done. All right. But with that said, I do think that there are a set of parameters that your training should fall within in order to ensure that you're going to hit your goal of finishing. So the big question is, how do you know if you're on the right track to a successful 50K finish? I did some reflecting on my training, my finishes, as well as the finishes of the one-on-one clients that I work with and the group coaching clients that I work with. And I came up with this set of 10 parameters, 10 things that we're all collectively doing. And it's not just us. It's actually, I see this happening out in the greater context of the running world as well. Okay. These are all things that we are collectively doing that I believe contribute to our successful finishes. The more you do of these, the more high quality reps you get of these things, the better off you are. The more these things fall off your to-do list, uh, the, the more low quality reps you do of these things, the worse off you will be. The further away you will be getting from your 50k finish. Now, another little quick idea I want to seed in your brain here that just sort of came to me as I was thinking about this is that every day you have the opportunity to get closer to your goal or further away. So you're either doing something today that's going to set you up to get closer for tomorrow, and then tomorrow you're going to do the same thing, so on and so on and so on. Or you're going to skip today and you're going to take a step backwards. And then tomorrow you're going to have to make up, theoretically, for yesterday and today. So you're either getting closer or further away. There is no stagnation. 
All right. So just keep that in mind. So let's just roll right into this list. Grab a pen and paper or open a new note in your phone. If you're driving, just listen, absorb, and reflect on your own training. And then you can come back and, you know, make some notes. And I'm just going to rip right through these. Now, I think I put them in order, but they might be like a little out of order, a little out of cadence here, but you're going to get the point. So in order to have a successful 50K finish, I'm not a big fan of people going from zero miles right into 50K training, okay? I think, and this is thing number one, that you need to have built up to an average of 15 miles per week before you start your official, air quotes, official 50K training plan, okay? So an average of 15 miles a week for about six to eight weeks. Okay, so this isn't just like you hit 15 miles one week and then you're like, boom, I'm ready to go. Let's start 50K training. You need to make the time and the space for the training and have a a good base built in order for your body to be set up for success. Okay. Yes, there are going to be outliers that go from zero to 50K training. And yes, there are people that are going to just hit 15 miles once and then they're going to launch into their 50K training. It's all possible. Okay. There are outliers on every end of the spectrum. But what I'm trying to explain to you is that these are the parameters I think make for a solid finish, solid training, so that you can get across the finish line, as I always say, happy, healthy, and in one piece. Okay. So thing number two is that you need to have between 16 and 20 weeks to train leading up to the race. That does not include the time that you spent building up to 15 miles per week. So spending that time building the base will do you a solid, so to speak, as you roll into the 16 to 20 weeks of your training plan. Now, why so long? Because life happens. (laughs) Work, meetings, kids, vacations, sickness, stuffy nose, you can't run. Like all these things are going to happen. And if you have no extra time built in, these days and weeks are going to slowly slip away from you. And now you're down to 12 weeks. Now you're down to 10 weeks and eight and six. And you just wonder where the time went. So if you give yourself a little extra time and a little extra cushion, it will be less stressful. It will be less overwhelming. You'll have more time to work up to the training and you'll be less stressed about it. Okay. Now, I'm going to switch things around here from my notes. You need to follow, this is thing number three, you need to follow an up-down cadence in your training plan. So that means that you're going to spend a couple of weeks building. Mileage is going to go up incrementally, and then you're going to cut back. And then you're going to build and cut back and so on and so forth. If your plan, as you're staring at it right now, has you building from day one all the way to race day, that's no bueno. That's a recipe for injury, overtraining, stressed out, like all the things. Okay. So it needs to follow some sort of cadence because this is the way we're going to build in some rest. And this is how we're going to ensure that we're not overloading the body. We're not stressing ourselves out. We're not causing ourselves an overuse injury, all the things. The next thing, thing number four, is that the majority of your strength training needs to happen in the first half of your training plan. So if it's 16 weeks, the first eight, if it's 20, the first 10, all right? 
This is because running and strength strength training have an inverse relationship. So in the beginning, you're starting to build your mileage. You're going to be doing more strength training. So mileage is low, strength is high. If you could see my hands, I'm sort of trying to demonstrate this, but you can't see me. So mileage is low, strength is high. As you progress through your training plan, the strength is going to taper down and the mileage is going to tick up so that in the second half, your mileage will be higher and your strength training will be lower. Now that doesn't mean it goes away altogether, but the emphasis is on your running in the second half. Okay. Now, If you're like in the middle of your training and you want to start incorporating strength training now, I'm still going to say, go ahead and do it, but just keep this principle in mind that the emphasis in the early part of your training plan should be on building the strength. And then you maintain that strength all the way through as you continue to ramp up your running. Okay. The next one, and this should come as absolutely no surprise to you guys, is that you should be doing a daily shakedown. Now, daily shakedown means that you're taking your whole body, all your muscles and joints through their greatest range of motion every single day. I don't care if it's the first thing in the morning. I don't care if it's before you run. I don't care if it's at lunch during your work break. I don't care if it's in the afternoon when you're feeling that slump of energy and you're reaching for the coffee. I don't care if it's at 10 o'clock at night before you go to bed. You need to be doing this. Bonus points for if you do it multiple times a day. I mean, I'm going to give you bonus points for it, but your body is also going to thank you for it if you do it multiple times a day. Because essentially what you're doing is telling your body what you want from it. If all you tell it is sit, drive, sit at your desk, stand, maybe walk a little bit, um, lay down, go to bed, that's all you're going to get. And if you include running in there, that's great. But if you don't expose it to other ways of moving then your joints are going to be pretty limited. And in order to run in a healthy body with healthy muscles and joints, we need to do a lot more movement. So doing a daily shakedown is like right at the top of this list. Okay. I specifically didn't put them in order, like most, most important, least important within this 10. I think all of these are important, but the daily shakedown, I sort of foist it towards the top. On the back of that, I think we're on thing number five now, you need to be doing specific mobility training on or for potential weaker trouble spots. If your knees are shitty, okay, or if you, like me, have shitty ankles that don't have a lot of movement, if your hips are bad, if you have low back problems, it's not going to get better if you ignore it, (laughs) Okay. Like this is a thing. I don't know why it's a thing, but it's a thing like, oh, it'll just get better if I run more. No wrong. I should have a sound effect for that. It's not going to get better if you ignore it or pile on other things like more running or more strength. It's not going to get better. My, um, my yoga clients and my TRX strength clients, my private clients, like everyone I'm sure is probably super sick of hearing me say this, but the theory is that all the components of your body, the muscles, the joints, the tissues, the structures, everything, you as a whole will work better, perform better, feel better if your individual component parts work better individually, independently. Okay. So it's not like we're just trying to make the whole body stronger. 
what we're trying to do is, yes, make your shoulders stronger, your hips stronger, your knees stronger, all the things. And when we do that, the sum of you gets better. Okay. So along that same line, if you've got a weak spot, then we need to address it and bring it up to code. I don't know why like this whole construction theme just came in here, but like it needs to be up to code. Otherwise it's going to be the weak spot and the body has a way of funneling or finding those weak spots. And that's what's going to start holding you back. So if you have persistently injured your ankles, you need to get on top of that. Like that needs to be your focus. Like we just did bulletproof your knees, which spoiler alert, it's going to be available for you guys coming up here soon. If you didn't partake in the first round, um, you need to think about bulletproofing those trouble spots preemptively. And especially if you've been injured someplace before, even if it's not bothering you right now, that's a spot that you want to make stronger, more mobile, have more control over to avoid having issues in the future. All right. So you can sort of start to see this theme here developing is that like, these aren't earth shattering concepts. And quite honestly, we've talked about all of these in previous podcast episodes, but as we start to put some constraint around them, you can see how these fundamentals make everything work better, okay? Because if your fundamentals suck, you can't really layer anything on top of that, all right? Okay, thing number six is you need to be incorporating race-specific run workouts in order to be prepared for what your race will throw at you, okay? So not just running flat, fast miles all day, every day. If you're going to run a hilly race, you need to do some hills. If you're going to do a technical race, single track, rocks, routes, whatever it might be, you need to get some experience on that stuff. All of your miles do not need to be on that specific terrain. I mean, the more the better because you will get more comfortable and more efficient running on those surfaces, but you can't ignore it, right? Remember, if if like your joints are bothering you, ignoring it is not going to get any better. Not practicing on the surfaces that you're going to face is not going to help you come race day. Doing this will also build your confidence in your ability, right? We want to show up on race day feeling super confident, ready to rock and roll. And if you show up on race day and you're like, well, I've never run on single track before. Here's go, here goes nothing. It's not going to, there's going to be that little like voice in the back of your head. That's like, "Mm, you don't know how to do this, right? So even if you don't have access to specific trails that are like this, you there are ways, you got to get creative. There are ways that you can simulate what you're going to face on race day. There's like, we could do a whole other podcast on that, but I just want to start to get your brain thinking about this stuff, right? I've lost count now because I didn't number these on my list. But the next one is, <laughs> you need to be practicing your race day strategy starting in the second half of your training plan. What does race day stra- race day strategy mean? That means what are you going to wear? What are you going to do? How are you going to talk to yourself? 
like how to get to your race, like drop bags, aid stations, what is going to happen on race day. And you need to start practicing with the things that you're going to use, not going to use, how you're going to divvy up fluids, when you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. Are you going to change shoes? Is there going to be a water crossing? Do you have access to a drop bag? Like all these things. Do not And I repeat, do not leave this until the week before your race. (laughs) Okay? Do not. It again will not instill confidence in your ability to do the damn thing. So start, it doesn't have to be everything all at once. Just start with the thing that you feel the least comfortable with and start there. Okay? Pick one thing every week and work on it. Because what you want to have come race day is a solid strategy for how you're going to get there, warm up, and do everything from start to finish, right? Even before the gun goes off, because there's like a lot of time probably that's going to happen between the time you pull in, close your car door, and before the gun goes off. How will you spend that time? What will you do? What will you think? What will you say? All that jazz. The next thing, I think this is number nine, is you need to do an adequate taper leading into your race day. Do not, do not, do not, do not force more mileage into the uh, two to three weeks leading up to your race. This is where people really struggle because their brain starts to take over and they start to look back on all their training and think, ah, I didn't do this or I didn't do that or this wasn't as good as it could have been. This also goes back to thing, I don't know, two or three, where we said 16 to 20 weeks as opposed to 12, 10, eight weeks worth of training. Because if you give yourself that bigger cushion, then you've got time to do an adequate taper and not be stressed out about the fact that you missed one or two weeks of training due to X, Y, or Z. And this is typically when I see people saying, oh, I don't need to taper. I'll just go straight into the race, coming in hot. (laughs) No, it's not a good way to do it. Okay. Your body needs time to sort of come down, relax, recuperate, regenerate before race day. The last thing and I apologize, I feel like my stuffy nose is starting to take over and it's really audible in my voice. The final thing is that you need to be working on improving the quality of your everyday nutrition, sleep, and mindset. It doesn't make sense to try to layer on all this other stuff if the stuff you do on a day-in, day-out basis isn't also improving. So you can't outrun a shitty diet. You can't outtrain a shitty sleep schedule. You can't overcome a shitty mindset only on race day. Like you need to get in the reps during your training in order to be able to set yourself up for success, okay? So it's not, a lot of times I, th- I think and I see people sort of separating the two things. Your life and your training. They are not separate. They are one and the same. So the more that you can meld them together, the better off you will be finding ways to work your training into your everyday life and finding ways to morph your life into your training. So 
working on improving your nutrition every day, your sleep every day, and the way that you talk and think about yourself every day will go a long, long way. This mental aspect, and we have done many podcast episodes and I will do many more in the future about mindset because it is one of the most important things. This idea of mindset is very difficult for a lot of people because, especially women, we're sort of taught to hate on ourselves all the time. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not fast enough. You're too old. You're too fat. Like all these things, right? That's just like a small fraction of the thought loops that sort of run around in our head all day, every day. So if you can interrupt these things and work on it, sort of chip away at it, day by day by day, then making the big leap towards running a 50K or whatever race distance you're aiming for will be easier, okay? You can't just overcome a shitty mindset on race day. Like, that's just, it isn't a thing. It's it's just not. I don't know how else to describe it other than it's just really not a thing, okay? So do your best every day to make the best possible choice that you can when it comes to nutrition, sleep, and mindset. Okay, and that will just amplify your efforts across the board. So if you want to know if you're on the right track to finish and be successful in your race, do an honest evaluation of what you're currently doing against this list. Okay, now what you'll notice is that these aren't specific, like precise prescriptions for what to do, when and how to do it. I mean, they're, they're really more loose guidelines. Even if I've said first half, second half, like I didn't say on day 27. Okay. And precisely and only day 27. I said, no, first half, second half, 16 to 20 weeks. Right. And I've purposefully given them to you this way, because I, again, I going back to like the title of this episode, there isn't one way to get this done. The way that I go about training for a 50K is not the same way that I train my clients. It's not the way that somebody that I just, you know, met off the street would go about training for it. We all come to this with different bodies, with different experiences, with different time requirements. And so we have to sort of get creative to get it done. No two people are alike. No two training plans are going to be identical. There are templates Okay, there's lots of free training plans out there online, like the free one that I have available to you guys that's up on my website. But it's up to you to do what we talked about here and to weave your life into this training and to really take stock of these 10 parameters and see how you're doing. And this is essentially what we do for the six weeks of Run Your First 50K. We walk through the six pillars of ultra training, run, walk, strength, mobility, mindset, race strategy, goal setting and scheduling, all the things. And we work to customize your plan to get you across the finish line, taking into account your timeline, your schedule, the race you're doing, your body, like all the things. Okay. So Listen, this is a big, scary goal, right? Running your first 50K. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking about doing it, doing a 50K, I am seriously pumped for you. I'm over here doing my happy dance. You might you might think that I'm joking, but this is the shit that gets me pumped up. Like I get very excited when people tell me that they want to run a 50K. So if you hear nothing else from this episode, please, please, please hear this. 
You do not have to know how to do this before you do this. Okay. If someone had told me this back in the day, I probably would have gotten to where I am now a lot faster because I kept thinking that I had to know all the steps before I started. I don't know where I got this idea. I'm, I couldn't even begin to tell you, but that was sort of how I operated for a very long time. And as I demonstrated at the beginning of this episode, I still went back to that default mode when I started Googling how to run 200 milers. Like I wanted somebody to tell me, here's the step-by-step plan to running a 200 miler. So it's this default programming that I'm still having to work to overcome. And I I just keep learning this lesson over and over and over again that I don't have to know all the steps before I start. I just need to know the first couple of steps and then the rest of them will, I shit you not, magically appear as you keep going, okay? You just have to trust me on this one. So stop Googling, okay? I mean, you can can Google a little bit, but don't let it overwhelm you. Don't let it overcome you. Don't let it stress you out. Don't let it cause you to give up. All right. If you feel like you're on the verge of that, send me an email and I'll help you. Okay. Just stop Googling and get to work. Just do something that, and that sort of action will kick you out of overwhelm and get you some momentum so that you can get started. Okay. Start tracking your training, start following these parameters. You can go download the first 10 weeks of my free training plan. You can get the free shakedown that I have, and you can just start to include these things into your routine so that you can start to build up some momentum and build up some wins. Okay. You can seriously do this all on your own. I, I 100% believe in you. There's lots of resources out there. I have a bunch of free resources. There's probably some out there that you like and you have used before. Use that. Start there. You just need to start somewhere, build up some time and some repetitions and some information that you can evaluate before you decide to change it up and do something else. But If you're at that place where you're like, I've tried all the things, I don't know where to go from here, and you want to accelerate that learning curve, the next round of Run Your First 50K starts on September 26th. So it's like a couple weeks from now. And applications are open. You just need to go to runyourfirst50k.com for all the information and the link to apply. And then to get the other resources that I mentioned, go to my website, megan-gould.com. And at the top, you'll see the link for the shakedown. I think it says daily shakedown. And then the best way to get the training plan is to go to my website and then do forward slash 10 week plan. And that will take you right there. Okay. So there's more than one way to run an ultra. You guys, you do not have to know all the steps beforehand in order to get started. I wish you the best of luck. Let me know if you need some help. That's all for this episode. Enjoy this beat and I'll see you all soon.